Hello and welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I'm your host, Olivia Adams, and we are on week three of our new music history series, where we are taking a deeper look at the lives of some incredible composers who happen to be women. Today, I am so incredibly excited to talk to you about one of my very favorite Canadian composers. Any of my friends and teachers know that I love any sort of music by this specific composer, and that is Alexina Louis. Now, a little bit of a backstory of how I was introduced to Alexina Louis' music. First, I heard it when I was doing my music history level nine through the Royal Conservatory of Music when I was in high school, and I was introduced to her piece called Distant Memories. And I thought, hmm, this is unique, it's interesting. And there was a small little blurb about a paragraph about this composer, and I read it, forgot about it, and moved on. Fast forward a few years and I was studying for my my bachelor's of music and my piano teacher, the beloved Bonnie Nicholson at the University of Saskatchewan, she told me that I should choose a piece by this composer, Alexina Louis. Oh, I've heard of her before. And so she sent me with a list of pieces that I should listen to. And then she gave me her recommendation and she said, I think you should play I Leap Through the Sky with Stars. Now I listened to this piece and at first was like, absolutely not. This is too hard. Now, of course, I did not tell Bonnie that, but I felt this is way too difficult for me to play. But anyway, I was encouraged to do it. And I'm so glad I did because I fell hard and fast for this amazing composer. And after I played, I leaped through the sky with stars. I remember this wonderful moment. We were doing toasts at the end of the last masterclass of the year. And I was going to play, I leaped through the sky with stars at my jury later on that next week. And so we're doing these toasts and Bonnie is toasting each of the students in her class and and what she feels like they have excelled in. And and it was just a really lovely moment. And she gets to me and she goes, Olivia, I think you found your music. I think you found your style. And I would like to think that she is correct. And so I went on to play lots more of Alexina Louis' music through into the rest of my undergrad, did some in my master's, and I even competed with some of Alexina Louis' pieces in a few competitions provincially and, and locally where I was living. And I really do feel that I have this deep connection with the music of Alexina Louis. And so thank you for letting me share my story with you. And I'm really excited to talk with you more about the music of Alexina. So before we get going on the Asian influences that are found in Alexina Louise music, specifically, we're going to talk about her piano music today, but it applies to a lot of her other music. And that is, I will be talking about some instruments that are not native to where I am from. And so some of the words, specifically the Chinese instruments, I am not going to be saying them with the correct pitches. And I apologize. I am doing my very best and I have looked up and practiced as much as I can, but please forgive me for the mistake. I know I won't be saying all of the words perfectly, and I hope that you can bear with me and give me some grace as I am trying my best. 
My connection to Alexina Louis is, like I said, a very personal one. I had the privilege of getting to talk with her when I was in my undergrad and preparing for a presentation that I ended up doing in Portugal about Canadian women composers for a piano conference. And I got to talk with Louis about her music and she was just the most generous, kind-hearted soul. And it was such a privilege to be able to chat with her. And then also her music really connected with me on a personal level in that I have a Japanese heritage and a Canadian heritage. And so to be able to play music that combined both my Asian heritage and my um, Canadian heritage was really special and it really connected with me on a different level. And so I hope you enjoy learning more about this composer. Let's dive in. Alexina Louis was born July 30th, 1949 in Vancouver, British Columbia. She was born and raised in Chinatown, Vancouver, where her and her family ran a shop that imported and exported Chinese food. She went to the University of British Columbia for her undergrad in theory and wound up taking composition simply because she liked the professor that was teaching that course. When she describes her background as a musician, she considers herself a, quote, regular Beethoven student, end quote, meaning that she didn't feel that she exhibited any outstanding affinity for contemporary music. She felt that that came in much later. When she was in her undergrad, she had suffered a wrist injury that kept her from being able to compete in piano at the level that she wanted to. So her professor encouraged her to pursue composition. And then after her undergraduate degree, she went on to study her master's in composition under the amazing Pauline Oliveros at the University of San Diego. And Oliveros pushed her to discover the world of contemporary idioms. If you know anything about Pauline Oliveros, and I'll link to some great articles, like a profile that the New York Times did on Pauline Oliveros, you know that she was a real change maker and spearheaded a lot of the contemporary music movement that was happening in the United States, and she really was at the forefront of electroacoustic compositions. Louis says that she's influenced the most by Pauline Oliveros, and she was part of the Women's Only Ensemble, where they performed music with electronic additions, which Oliveros entitled Sonic Meditations. So she opened Louis up to what Louis says, the wild side of music making, and her participation in concerts, of traditional classical music all the way to avant-garde opened her up to this whole new world of music and sounds. Now the celebration of the Lunar New Year was Alexina Louis' first exposure to specifically Asian music. She describes the experience as one that was very personal to her, and she recalls celebrating it with her family and looking forward to the dragon dance that happened every year. Here's a quote from her. I was born in Chinatown, and New Year was something that my dad took me to. It was very small and local and a personal celebration. It was two or three blocks down Pender Street, and we would follow the lion dances and drummers down. There were specific cultural events that influenced me. My father's family business was an importing and exporting one, and we would have an offering on a bamboo pole, some meat and lettuce leaves tied around a box of money for the community. The lion dancers would come by and do a special dance, and this was my first memory of Asian music affecting me. It comes from an initial experience. And then later on, she says, it was close to me. I was thrilled with the drumming and the clanging of the Chinese cymbals and the firecrackers. 
I always found it moving. I never knew why then, but now it's obvious that it's because I'm Chinese that it strikes a chord within me. It is no coincidence that Alexina's first Asian-influenced piece uses the elements that she admired about the Lunar New Year, the drumming, the rhythmic dances, and all of the festivities that went with it. Six years after graduation, Alexina went through what she would describe as a career identity crisis, and she struggled to find her compositional voice after she graduated from her master's. Because she grew up with an education that emphasized Western classical music, it wasn't until she had launched a career teaching and composing that she realized that something was missing. She writes, I wanted to write music that was a real statement of who I am. She studied the compositions of Bach and Mozart and Mahler, as well as contemporary idioms underneath Pauline Oliveros. But like I said, she felt something was missing. So Louis began to explore Asian influences through instrumental study and immersion into the culture through literature. Her friend and former classmate encouraged her to explore her roots as they played Chinese instruments together. And this inspired Alexina to begin to take lessons on various instruments with Tun Tuen Li. Louis became fascinated with the various instruments and their unique timbres. She writes, California opened my ears, introduced me to oriental music, and in doing so, helped me to find my own voice. If I hadn't gone there, I probably wouldn't have become a composer. At the time I was studying composition, the notation of Asian influences didn't affect me. It wasn't until six years after grad school that I began to find my musical voice. I began looking at Asian art, yin and yang philosophy, and balance. Louis began exploring Korean, Japanese, Indonesian, and North Indian reggae music while at the University of San Diego, as well as her own personal research of Javanese gamelan music, which led her to experiment with minimalist principles such as shifting accents. So we're going to now shift into some of the instruments that inspired Louis' style of writing music. So the first one is the hishiriki. This is a double reed instrument that originated in Japan, and it resembles that of an oboe with seven holes in the front and two in the back. It's made of bamboo and it's used in court music, also known as gagaku. So here is an example. The next one is the sho. This is a chordal instrument that gives off a mellow tone. It's a Japanese flute used for their court music and can play several tones at the same time. It was also used in compositions by John Cage, which you might be a little bit more familiar with. Here is an example. So the way that Louis used this instrument, this chordal instrument style within her music is she borrowed the notation. So instead of having measured notation, she did unmeasured notation marked by just black dots with no stem and utilized the cluster chord sounds that the show could give. And so one example is from the last page of one of her pieces, I Leap Through the Sky with Stars. Let's have a listen.
Alright, another instrument is the zheng. The zheng is a plucked string instrument of Chinese origin, and it was comparable to North American harp or the sultry. It has a curved top, a flat bottom, and strings stretched on top. Traditionally, the strings were made of silk, but now they're made from metal. Pitches can be altered by pressing on the strings, as well as extended techniques through various pressing techniques. Now, the way that Louis uses this in her music making is through extended techniques in one of her pieces, Memories in an Ancient Garden. So in this example, you're going to hear, I'm pressing on the strings in a few areas, and I'm also plucking some strings or brushing them in order to get the specific sound that she's instructed. So there are instructions within the music that tell you what to do inside the piano strings. Of course, this means that we need to do it with lots of care and respect for the instrument. Let's have a listen. Another one is the qian, a Chinese zither with only seven strings. The board has no frets and pearls indicate different frets and pitch positions. The strings vary in thickness like that of piano strings and the bass has two sound holes. There's a larger one that's known as the dragon pond and a smaller one known as the phoenix pool. Each instrument is given a unique name. Here is an example. The qian music indicates pitches, but no rhythmic value. It's meant to be peaceful and harmonious without stress or excitement. Qian music deals with the individual note treatment over the melody and harmony, like obsessing over a specific note in a piece of music. The emphasis is on single tones and their natural virtue or power by which these tones are what they are. Thus, music is sound. So this is particularly manifested in the music for the qian, and this is cited by Chu. The qian is played not for entertainment, but for moral elevation, a way to regulate heaven and the human being. Therefore, playing this instrument requires deep concentration and meditation, the spiritual goal being to achieve an intimate level of discourse between God and man. So an example of this could be an unmeasured section in Warrior by Alexina Louis, where there's this very contemplative, almost like a chant that happens within the space. So let's have a listen.
The gong is found in many countries and cultures, specifically in China, the Philippines, and Indonesia. They can be pitched or unpitched, and the vibrations come from the center of the instrument. In East and Southeast Asian religions, knobbed gongs are used to mark sections of chant or ceremony. The pianist must listen to the room and the vibrations in order to decide when to continue. Octaves block off major sections in the piece Warrior. Here is the opening. The next one is the gamelan. The gamelan is an ensemble of the Indonesian islands that uses various percussion instruments, string instruments, and bamboo flutes, and occasionally vocalists. The instruments and musicians in a gamelan are not interchangeable and are meant to stay as one unit. A style of music is built in layers with a core melody as the foundation, with a very strict order which is dictated by the leader. So here is a listening example where you can hear the shifting accents that take place that show that shift that happens within the gamelan ensemble. juxtaposes light and dark beautifully. Her study of the Eastern philosophy yin and yang strongly influenced her compositional style. Yin represents earth, femaleness, darkness, passivity, and absorption. It is in even numbers, in valleys and streams, and it's represented by the tiger, the color orange, and a broken line. The yang represents heaven, maleness, light, activity. It's in odd numbers, mountains, and represented by the dragon, the color azure, and an unbroken line. Louis' music shows this by the juxtaposition of black and white keys. Now, of course, all piano music can show this, but the way that she utilizes it specifically is by having one hand play only black keys and the other only white. And the idea of having your hands playing in different keys essentially creates a bitonality within the piece. She also does this through large contrasts within a short amount of time to show this dark and light contrast that happens. And also through the use of the animal representation in her pieces. So bringing the tiger down the mountain and dragon bells are just a few of the examples. In addition, there are extreme registral contrasts. Esther Chu, in her thesis on the musical Silk Root, which is talking about the music of Alexina Louis, describes these extreme registral contrasts. I quote, when these two extreme registers are sounded simultaneously, a blended sonic effect built upon the contrast results in a new unification. This unification is congruent with the ideal of perfection that results from the concept of balancing yin and yang, end quote. Here is an example.
So what you just heard was the cadenza from I Leap Through the Sky with Stars. The other philosophy that shows up a lot in Louis' music is Zen, which is defined as a Japanese school of Buddhism, emphasizing the value of meditation and intuition rather than ritual worship or study of scriptures. It's evident in specific pieces, such as Louis' Scenes from a Jade Terrace. In the first movement, Warrior, there's this introspective middle section where Louis challenges the artist to meditate and become a poet, saying that the artist must look inward in order to make that section happen. In the second movement of Memories in an Ancient Garden, the musician gets to dictate large sections as they're open to free interpretation and improvisation. In other pieces, Louis uses seconds to measure the senza misura sections. Her philosophy when discussing this with her is take the time and the interpretation that you desire. Once it is out of the hands of the composer, it is up to the artist. When discussing with Louis about her music and the differences between the performance, she was very open to different interpretations and ideas and even changes in time. I quote, it doesn't mean it's the music all literal. It's about how you feel and how you express what you feel. We are all human and we all experience the same feelings and an artist can express them for others and bring them into our world. And then she says, let students create their own world with the boundaries that I give. And I like that quote. And I asked her about the different interpretations of sections that were very much open to interpretation. And she always pushed the questions back on me. What do you think? How do you want to do it? And I would describe something. She goes, yeah, I like that idea. And she was very much pushing the idea that the music, once it left her hands, was in the interpreter's hands. It was in the musician's hands. And I think that's really cool because oftentimes we put composers on these pedestals and we feel like it would be disrespecting them to play a wrong note, to have a different interpretation than has always happened throughout music history. And so to be able to use your own interpretation and have it sound unique between every individual person while still holding to the composer's intentions is really beautiful. Now, going back to Louis' family roots, it's important to note that the beginning of Louis' style was formed by things like philosophy, instrumental study, poetry, and meditation. Once she began to find her compositional style, she searched out the origins of her name and her family's name. She says, I have a book of Chinese symbols, and I looked up my instrument, the guquin. It is said there was a famous family living in northern China, renowned for making the best guquins. The family is the Thunder family. That's my name. I know the character. The top of the character is rain, and the bottom part is a field. Rain on the field is thunder. And I thought, oh my god, and sometimes circles get completed." End quote. Louis' ancestors came from a small village near Zhongshan in mainland China. She was able to return to her ancestors' roots when her orchestral arrangement of Bringing the Tiger Down from the Mountain was being featured by the NAC Orchestra, my home orchestra here of Ottawa, and Memories in an Ancient Garden was also performed at the opening of the Canadian Embassy in Japan in 1991. 
Some closing thoughts. Louis is a member of the Order of Canada and is one of Canada's most recognized composers alive today. Her music is played all over the world and programmed by major orchestras and musicians alike. The second movement of Scenes from a Jade Terrace, Memories in an Ancient Garden, is the most programmed recital piece by a Canadian composer to date. Her music is self-described as blending Eastern and Western influences, and her piano compositions deal with one specific character rather than a traditional form. Alexina Louis can safely say that there is no one who composes quite like the style that she has created. Her music adds a unique voice to contemporary idioms and specifically to the compositional style of Canadian music. After speaking with Alexina, she told me that she was delighted that her music continues to affect people after it leaves her hands. Louis' connection to Asian instruments and traditions is a personal one. Her curiosity and Asian influences was sparked when she made a family pilgrimage back to her grandparents' homeland, but ultimately the synthesis of her style came from within. Through reaching for her heritage, she created her own unique voice in a fusion of East and West styles. Her music adds a unique voice to contemporary idioms and specifically to the diversity of Canadian music. She writes, quote, I am Oriental and I am a woman, and both of these things are a part of my writing. I am not an Oriental woman artist, though. I'm an artist who uses what she has, end quote. And isn't that the motto behind any composer? They are artists that use what they have. Whether we are talking about Dana Suisse, who was titled The Girl Gershwin, that we talked about last week, or Chevalier Saint-Georges, who was called the Black Mozart. They were actually just fully themselves. We're not defined by our orientation, our gender, our race, ethnicity, or any other factor. We are not defined by who we might sound like or be related to. Each musician is just an artist that uses what they have and who they are, and their unique individual expression and personal identities are shared with the world through their artistic output. And I think that that is going to do it for our show this week. Please remember to subscribe and download our podcast episodes. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating. And if you could please hop on and give a written review, that will really help our show get in front of new listeners. And it really matters to the longevity of the show. So if you like it, please add it to your library and share these episodes with your friends, families, and students. I wanted them to be helpful for music students and music listeners and enjoyers. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I will be back here next week with an episode from The Vault on the music of Berta Alve de Souza. To close, here is my recording of I Leap Through the Sky with Stars by Alexina Louis. <laughs>